Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. It's uh, good to be together, isn't it? And uh, last week, Keith gave us a, a challenge. He, uh, he looked at persevering, pushing on in the Christian faith, and he gave some accounts of people who had encouraged him on that journey of faith and then left us with a challenge. Who are we encouraging as we follow Jesus? And what is it that we might need to shed to disentangle ourselves from if we are to impact lives? And I wanted to push on from that um, just further today and to say, ask the questions, what, what principles can I take hold of if that will help me to speak into the lives of others and to encourage them, to leave a legacy. What are the principles that will help me to leave a legacy? Long after I've gone, perhaps. And I want to use my recent trip to the Solomons as, um, as some examples in that journey. Uh, the first principle, I think, is uh, respond to needs. Don't give people what they don't want. Respond to needs. Don't give to people what they don't want. I mean, this next verse that comes up um, from Luke 11... Um, is really Jesus speaking to his disciples about prayer. And Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I mean, obviously this verse is all about God giving us his spirit as we pursue a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. But it's also an indication that even fallen human people give good gifts to those who ask. And they give them what they ask for, provided it's going to be good and uplifting for them. And so I think this verse is all about us giving things to those who ask for them, not dumping things on people, even from a Christian point of view. Um, the world's full of examples of aid and development organisations that have come up with a good idea um, in their offices and have thought, OK, let's get this out into a community. Play Pump is a great example of that. Play Pump was a, an idea where these kids get on a little merry-go-round and they swing around like that and as they swing around, it pumps the water up into the big tower that sits at the top. It's a way of pumping it. It looks absolutely fantastic. And they put one of these in one of the communities in Africa... It took off like a storm and so um, in, in a couple of months two donors had pledged 16.4 million US dollars alone to put more of these in communities throughout Africa. And yet 18 months after that, uh, these just stood rusting, rusting away. And when they looked at some of the reasons, there were a variety of reasons. One of those is, had to do with water tables and things like that. But there was another reason. It had to do with the fact that there had not been enough consultation. The communities weren't invited to say, what do we need? And is this going to work for us? And I believe that our ministries, indeed our own relationships with those that we are friends with, are going to have integrity as we respond to needs, as we share needs with them, as we respond to the needs and build, use those meeting of needs as a bridge to build a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
In the Solomon Islands, we concentrated on our sport. And, and why was that? Well, I was in my first trip to the Solomons in the year 2000. I met with the mayor of Honiara. Had the opportunity to meet with him two weeks ago again. 23 years. Uh, I'd seen him a couple of times in the middle. He's now the uh, secretary to the prime minister in the prime minister's office. And I had the opportunity to take devotions for the prime minister and his staff again when I was over there just two weeks ago. And Ronald Fugui was the mayor. And when I was over there with our little Christmas shoe boxes and spoke to him 23 years ago and said, it's one thing for us to hand out these Christmas shoe boxes, but what can we do long term? And he said something for our kids. There was a civil war there. They called it detention, but there were machine guns and machete battles and all those things, people losing their lives. And he said something for our kids under the age of 12. And so right then we came back and uh, as a church we decided that we'd launch into that. Engaged in 2002 on our, on our first mission trip and uh, trained our referees and coaches and administrators with a real focus on meeting these kids where they were and bringing some joy and some excitement into their lives in the middle of what was a civil war. And they loved it. And then we prayed that God would open the doors of opportunity not just to minister physically to these kids but relationally, emotionally and spiritually as well. And then we watched remarkably as God opened those doors. And, um, and many of those little 8 and 10 and 12-year-old kids of 20 years ago have now grown um, to not only take on um, great futsal careers, but to find Jesus and now to be leading. And we heard two weeks ago Francis talk about that. And that same principle of responding to need, sure, we want our friends who are not yet Christians, to know Jesus. But let's respond to the needs as we build relations of integrity with people. And, we, um, and so we can ask the question, what are their needs? Simon Holt, he's a brother of um, one of our former pastors, Mark Holt, that was here. Simon wrote a fascinating book called The God Next Door. And he, in it he gives a, an account of a couple that had, uh, li they lived in Melbourne, suburban Melbourne and their suburb, their street had changed remarkably over the period of time as many of our suburbs around here. So um, over the way was a, a Chinese couple that had moved to live. Next door was a Korean couple and Simon went to visit them and they were speaking so animatedly about the way that they loved their community and the way it was changing and the way that they were investing in those that have moved in. Eddie and Sarah were the older couple and uh, Sarah used to go over and walk with the daughter of the Chinese family six days a week. Can you believe it? Six days a week she would walk off with the daughter of the Chinese family so the daughter, the Chinese girl, could practice her English in a new country. Just did that day after day. They spoke about how the way that they'd encouraged um, a, their next-door neighbour who had since passed away, he had throat cancer, and he became a widow three years before that. And they were visiting him and just making sure that he was getting through life after the loss of his, um, of his wife. And they went through the different families of their community. And at the end of it, Simon interrupted. They'd been going for about an hour, he says in his book. 
He says, I interrupted and I asked Sarah, do you feel God's presence here in your neighbourhood? And she said, what do you mean? What do you mean? And Simon suggested to them that the things that they do for their neighbours, the way that they offer friendship was a form of ministry. It was a way of honouring God's presence. And Sarah said, oh, no, I don't think so. That's why we're involved in, in church. That's why we go to our church. And then Eddie piped up and he said, you know, I led the Sunday school for 24 years. And Sarah said, and I led the midweek ladies Bible study group. <laughs> that was when we were younger. We don't have the energy just now. And Simon pushed the point a little bit further. And he said, maybe loving your neighbour is as central to the call to be a Christian as being involved in your church on Sunday. Perhaps he ventured that God is as present in your street when you're doing this as God is present in your church when you're there on a Sunday morning. And they looked at each other and they were a little bit uncomfortable and then Eddie said, oh, my goodness, I don't know. I don't think God would be interested in our little street. And Simon wrote he felt such a mix of emotions as he drove away. He felt absolutely amazed at a couple who had invested themselves so wholeheartedly in their neighbours, in those around them. And he felt so sad, so deeply sad that they lacked the theological understanding or perhaps it was a permission to see what they were doing was representing God right where they were, leaving a legacy right where they were. Friends, you and I, as we follow Jesus, we don't or we shouldn't be putting on a Christian hat as we walk in here on a Sunday morning and then taking it off when we walk out. You and I, as we live around our neighbours and friends, are Christ's ambassadors. That's why he has put us right there in the centre of our communities to impact them. And so I think that's one of, the, one of the principles is to actually meet needs the way Eddie and Sarah did. Not to go with an agenda of saying, I've got to share Jesus with this person by simply communicating what faith is all about. Simply going, I want to share life. I want to share life. I want to do life with these people and be able to share the, the reason for the faith that I have. So the question for us today is what barriers or obstacles might be there for us doing that in our own little neighbourhoods? Is it a feeling that church ministry, being here regularly in what we're doing is more important than the things that we do in our neighbourhood? Is it a fear I don't really know what to say in a situation that, that I really don't know what to do. Is it a, a question of time? Oh, you know, I'm so busy anyway. If I get to build a relationship like that, it's going to take time that I really don't have a lot of. Or is it a lack of passion? A lack of passion to serve God in that way. Second principle is to understand context. To listen, to learn to grow and to serve. Prophet Isaiah wrote, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke. 
to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. I mean, this is a picture of a hurting world. I mean, Lou, as she prayed earlier, prayed about this world that is hurting all around us. And we can see that. And the world is hurting in a whole range of different contexts. What is it that our, that our people are going through? The only way we're going to understand is by spending time and listening and learning. Our mission at the, in the Solomon Islands is, is like it is back here. It's um, not simply preaching the gospel. It's a holistic call to make a difference physically, relationally, emotionally and spiritually. And to do that, we under, need to understand the context. Even though I've been to the Solomons probably now 50 times um, over these last 23 years, I have so much to learn from a, from a spiritual um, religious point of view I can be talking to someone who professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ and goes to a church that has five members of the Godhead right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Holy Mama and Divine Authority or I can be speaking to another one who professes to be a genuine follower of Jesus and believes that they're of the lost tribe of Israel but not just that that's their genealogy but that actually being a member of the lost tribe of Israel gives them greater access to God and greater favour to God than others in the Solomon Islands because the gospel first came there and was first planted there and therefore they are closer to God than others. And so when I'm speaking to these people, it's interesting to get a context of what their beliefs are so I can determine, number one, how we engage them in our ministry if we do it all. And secondly, to be able to talk with them about these different issues of life. Geographically and from a physical needs point of view, we can be engaged in a community that doesn't have water or sanitation. And so out in the central province, we've been engaged with a school which doesn't have water. So when the kids need something to drink... They go off to a well with a bucket just like Jack and Jill so they can lift the water up and get something to drink. And when they need to go toileting, they go down into the sea and that's where their toilet is for the whole school. So in that context, Pastor Seru and our team are looking to, to move out in the next month or so. We wanted to do it pre-COVID but moving out in the next month or so um, to be holding futsal clinics during the day, crusades at night and to go out and to put down um, water, clean water for life. We've got a contact there. The next one, the next slide there, Fraser, shows uh, Pastor Seru with a bloke called Richard who heads up the Clean Water for Life project. And just over the, between the fellows behind that car at the back, you can see a little water pipe. So this fellow's erected one in his house and uh, that's good, clean water, able to, able to come up um, and to provide for his house. And indeed, that's what is um, planned in these other areas. And the context of that salt ministry is different in the central province to what we do in Honiara, where there is water. And that's the same that we encounter back here. What's the context of our different friends' and neighbours' journey? What are they going through? A grief and loss, 
a relationship breakdown, financial hardship, uh, loneliness, depression, a sense of hopelessness. What's the context of the life of our friends and neighbours? How can you share your resources and your love in that context? Perhaps care and concern can help to resource you. There are some that have taken hold of that. They're sowing into the lives of their, of their neighbours, those members of our church, sowing into the lives of their neighbours and they're giving sacrificially, but there are just things that they need to help them, um, to help them help their neighbours even more. And care and concern is able to journey with them in that way. And if you're in that situation, we would love to be assisting you. Or perhaps you're thinking, you know, I don't really have any not yet Christian friends. I've been a Christian now for a long time. And yet all those relationships have gone. Well, friends, we are so blessed here at the centre that we have a men's shed. We have hands and feet. We have a sports centre where you can come and you can grab a coffee, where you can interact with people that need to find Jesus each and every week, um, each and every week in those places. Principle three, and this is the one that Keith really touched on last week, so I'm not going to uh, go too much, but it's invest and keep on investing in others. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. Now, this verse in Timothy is a picture of four generations Four generations of teaching and investing. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to reliable people and the reliable people to others who will teach others. So four generations of sowing into uh, people. As I stood um, in the new Solomon Island Sports Centre and there will be a, a clip comes up here. Um, this one called the Friendship Hall built by the Indonesian government. Um, it's it's three times the size of this area here. Can you believe it? Three times the size of this, built by the Indonesian government, and we've been praying for a facility for so long, and we now have that. And I looked over these 300 to 400, 350 to 400 kids coming every Saturday. That's session one. These kids started at 7 o'clock. <laughs> they finish at 9, then the next lot come in. Um, Quite amazing. And I, and I prayed that God would open their hearts to respond to the gospel, but also that God would raise up leaders out of this group. Each week, um, Pastor Seru and Michael, Pastor Michael, um, the next slide, Fraser, will give us a picture. So at the end of each session, they come in. There's another group all around the other side as well. Um, and, you know, they just have this devotional uh, with these kids, speaking to them about the truth of God's word, challenging them to make a commitment to follow Jesus from a young age and then to live for him. And I love seeing the way that these younger coaches are investing in their, in their ministry. We've got Pastor Seru passing it down to another group of younger coaches who are then passing it down to these groups. It's a blessing for us to keep as a centre, um, investing ourselves in what's happening over there and that challenge to keep on raising up leaders. You know, we keep raising them up and we keep losing them. Um, 5,000 workers, are, um, 
5,000 Solomon Islanders are now working in the Pacific Exchange Program. So four of our good coaches are now over in Australia. And one's working in an abattoir up in Rockhampton. Another two are out the back of uh, Brisbane. One's been down in Griffith because they can come over here and they can earn very good money and send that back to the Solomon Islands. And it's one of their largest exports. And so we keep on raising up these leaders and training them up and we keep losing them out. But they're providing for their families, which is a wonderful thing. So the challenge is for us to keep on raising them up and producing them. And Pastor Sarah does a remarkable job at doing that. One of the ways he does it is uh, the next um, shot um, is every Friday night um, he gets the, the coaching staff uh, up to his place so they have a Bible study together. Uh, the next shot will be a great shot to show you what also they have together. Thanks, Fraser. Um, they eat. They love to eat. <laughs> Solomon plates are always very, very loaded with great things to eat. So they have a Bible study. Um, they just share together. Uh, the single blokes will sleep there because they've got to be up at 6 o'clock in the morning so they can head down um, to start the academy at 7 o'clock. The married blokes are allowed to go home to their wives, which is a, a wonderful concession. So that's all great. But that's a challenge. But the challenge is for us too, in our own ministries, to raise up leaders, to invest in the life of others, isn't it? But I'm going to, I could talk for a long time about this, but I'm not going to. But I just want to challenge us to grab hold, to grab hold of this mission that God has for us, where God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him to tell of the night and day difference he's made for each of us. It's a wonderful thing. And a great quote by Rowan Williams. It's not the church of God that has a mission in the world, but the God of mission who has a church in the world. Our God is a mission-hearted God who simply wants to grab hold of us as his church and keep using us to impact our communities and our world more broadly. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we want to praise you and thank you that you're a God of mission. That you didn't want to leave us alone floundering on this earth, but you sent Jesus. And in Jesus, we take hold of life because he is life. And because of Jesus, we have hope. And Father, we know that there are people living all around us in a broken world that need to grab hold of the hope that Jesus offers. And so, Lord, we, we pray. We pray that you would mobilise us, not to be people who are self-sufficient or satisfied where we are with what you have blessed us with. But Father, you give us a passion to share with those particularly those who are yet to come to know you. And Lord, might it be that you even work in our hearts to invite people along to Alpha, to be sowing seeds now as we journey with our friends who are not yet Christian. Father, we also want to thank you for the way that you have blessed us with resources. This facility, the ministries we have, 
Father, our ability to stretch even to a place like the Solomon Islands. And Father, we pray for them over there. That you would continue to open the doors of opportunity. We pray for that SALT program. That, Lord, you would indeed raise up young men and women who love you, who have a passion to serve you. And, Father, um, we just give you thanks and praise for your goodness to us to be engaged in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.